I don't know if Josh is awake yet or not, but at some point he's gonna, I assume he's gonna come out and make a lot of noise, and we'll have to stop for a minute. <laughs> Welcome to Double Issue. I'm Quentin. Joining us this week is the guest, Daniel Poole. Hello, Daniel. That's right. Hello. This is first time being here. How does it feel to be on my prestigious podcast? Oh, man. I am just so lucky to have even found this podcast. All right. We're Double Issue, and every week we're going to bring you some stories or some world building set in this superhero universe. This week we're bringing you some stories with the prompt cliffhanger. That's right. And then we're going to pick up these stories from each other next week. So this is part one of Cliffhangers. Yep. How's it feel to be a podcast that people have actually heard instead of one we're just making? Oh, man. I checked the stats the other day and saw that we had almost 100 downloads. And I was just kind of floored. Like, that's not just us downloading them. It's got to be other people. I think at least five on the first episode was us checking it. Yeah. For sure. I, yeah, I've subscribed, so I have at least a couple in there. I'm subscribed, but I'm not auto-downloading them, and I'm not even listening to them now, because usually when I would listen to them, I've just edited it, so I don't really right. need to hear it again right then. I listen to them to see what you edited in and what you edited out, Yeah. and I want to see what things you've made me say. I love to eat poop. Have you uh, done any research this week to get ready? Yeah, I uh, looked at a lot of cups. <laughs> that'll that'll make more sense soon. To get ready for this episode, I watched the second half of Tick Season 1 on Amazon Prime, and I just want to say I'm really jealous of their writing. Yeah. That series is just amazing. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, I was also doing some research to do a Power Rangers-like story. And I watched the first couple episodes of Power Rangers in Space. I think it's like the third series in the original Power Rangers line. Mm -hmm. Man, I can't decide if it's really good or really bad. It is really good. The theme song is literally like, Power Rangers in Space! <laughs> I just laughed a whole lot. I remember once as a kid they had a meet and photo thing at the zoo and i got to go meet a power oh, ranger man. which i'm sure looking back i don't know if they were out of the suit at all so i'm sure it was just <laughs> just a guy that's the beauty of power rangers though you could it's like santa claus at the mall you could have hundreds of red power rangers yes do we want to do a story now yeah i think you're first up yep i'll go ahead and do my story now an excerpt from the man with cups for hands the Michael Chambers Biography. Michael Chambers. Aliases. The Cupped Crusader. The Red Solo Smasher. Cup Hands. The Withering Touch. The Midas Touch. Prince Midas. And most recently, just Cup. What would you prefer to be called during this? The not-quite-human voice came from speakers sprinkled around the room. A screen behind the four members of the tribunal visualized the waveforms of the voice to give any audience something to latch onto when the AI spoke. I'd prefer if you'd just let me get out of here and back to my life. 
In the middle of the room stood Michael. His cups were encased in a blocky technological device designed to neutralize his powers. Below him, the transparent floor showed a view of Earth as they circled around it once every two hours. Eva Davidson, more widely known as Moonglow, the first director of the Citadel, spoke first. I will remind you that this case isn't to determine your innocence or guilt. This is merely to decide what we should do with you. So you're not even pretending to do your due diligence? There are plenty of heroes and villains that can impersonate others. Probably a whole race of aliens that can and are secretly living among us. Aqualion, real name Lonnie Summers, previously known as Aqualion when he was a member of the League of Elemental Animals, slammed his hand down on the bench. The bench appeared to be made of white plastic, much like the rest of the decor of the room, but the slam rang out with a metallic echo. I will not have you make a mockery of this. I just want to make sure you've done your research. I wouldn't want this fine institution to make any mistakes, especially with the computer watching. Enough! Aqualion touched a button on the bench. Michael said something here. He could not recall exactly what was said, but did tell me it was probably some quips or curses. The official transcript and the recording do not reveal what was said inside the silence field they projected around him. I tried to have his lips read by a professional, but in all recordings the angle is either wrong for a reading or too far away to make out in the resolution captured. The members of the tribunal sat in silence while they waited for his lips to stop moving. Eva shuffled some papers in front of her. I think she didn't want to look at him because she felt she could have stopped him from being there. Aqualion scratched his mostly bald head, the last bits of white hair easily visible on his dark skin. Michael's mouth stopped moving and Aqualion pushed a button on the bench, turning off the silence field. If you're ready to take this seriously, we could actually begin. Michael nodded. The waveforms blossomed on the screen and bathed the mostly white room in green light. Will you please state the name you would prefer we use? Michael is fine. Michael, we need to verify that you know with what you're being charged. Can't really call them charges when you've already determined me guilty. Aqualion scoffed and opened his mouth to once again reprimand Michael, but paused when Reggie held up his hand. Immortal Reggie, reputation not yet marred by his mistakes and around long enough that they couldn't have had a council of elders without him, spoke to Aqualion. He's not wrong. He turned his attention to the center of the room. Why do you think you're here? For fixing crime? Maybe breaking crime is more apt. Making sure it can no longer function where I live? Is my crime that I have only broken crime in my area? Don't worry, I can help scale it up later. Magic, formerly of Aegis, no other known aliases, shook his head. How do you speak so casually of murder? Eva's voice was low, as if speaking the word were the same as committing it. Maybe execution is a better word. It's all that's effective. You can't cure the evils of the world with more evil. Aqualion's voice a mix of sadness and anger. Yes, I'm as evil as the guy kidnapping and killing children. I'm as bad as all the rapists I've stopped. My people love me because I'm giving them the justice that others refuse to give them. How many times did you simply arrest Fire Tiger, knowing he would eventually escape and cause more harm? The sadness boiled off the mix of sadness and anger on Aqualion's face. Reggie held up his hand preemptively and shook his head. It isn't about some greater morality. We have to work within the law. That's the only way they'll tolerate us. This uneven distribution of power only works when the ones without as much power have some control over us. Otherwise, they come for us. I've seen it before. That's why we have the tribunal. We keep ourselves in check so they don't get afraid and turn against us. Eva shook her head to disagree with his words, but didn't interrupt. What is your endgame with this? Michael shrugged. 
Crime's been going down. No repeat offenders, but it also deters much better than the usual routine of handing them over to the police. I assume at some point I'd expand my area. Then what? Plan to rule the whole world with fear? If others helped, it wouldn't be hard. Aqualion scoffed. I've heard enough. So what are you guys going to do with me? Since killing is so taboo, I assume you pack me up and send me to that new place. The mountain? I hear it's impossible to escape. Magic, do you have anything you want to ask? Magic took a deep breath, as if to say something, but merely shook his head. I'm ready for a vote, Reggie said. I've a bit more before we vote, Eva said as she stood. The bench parted in front of her, folding into itself in ways that didn't seem possible given its smooth monolithic design. She walked towards him, stopping at the edge of the circle that showed the globe beneath them. I should have pressed harder. I can't help but think how much good you could have done for the world if you had joined us in the Citadel. Because killing giant monsters is acceptable, but killing smaller ones isn't. You've gone from secret identity to secret identity. You've been on more teams than I can remember. You would have had stability with us, at least. How can anything be stable around these? Michael lifted his encased cups. With help? Through relationships? You can't break those with your touch. Michael stared down at the earth. He could see where it all began and where he knew it would all end. He couldn't literally see the spot due to the cloud coverage and the distance between him and the ground, but he knew it was there. The cottage where the witch cursed a five-year-old boy with hands that would break whatever they touched. The vision she gave him of his dying moments in that same cottage. It's here, in that moment, on that space station in lower earth orbit, that I believe he became the villain we all know now. He had always known the end, but had never known the path his life would take from beginning to end. He was always certain about that. It's about the journey, not the destination, he would say almost every episode of The Sensational Six. He said it because he believed it. He believed he had to believe it. When you know the destination, if you don't believe it's about the journey, I think it would drive you mad. Perhaps it did. I think he looked down at the earth and saw the whole path laid out before him. It wasn't about the journey any longer. It wasn't even about the destination. Everything simply was. We could try to find a way to neutralize your touch if you want. Something a bit more useful than those cuffs. Eva offered a tentative smile, hoping her words were getting through to him. Michael looked up from the air. You think these cuffs work on me? They broke the second they were put on me. You think I never tried something like this myself? If there were a solution to these cuffs, I would have found it. His body shook. No matter how many times I watched the footage, I could never tell whether that was a shake of a sob or a chuckle. If I hold my hands near my mouth, I can't breathe. I break the air somehow. Eva walked backwards towards the bench. The other three members of the tribunal tentatively stood, unsure of what was about to happen. Turrets on the ceiling kept their sights trained on the man in the center of the room. You made a mistake when you thought you could contain my power. This tribunal is as broken as the rest of everything. The neutralizers exploded off his cups in a shower of metal and plastic. He crouched down and touched the floor. To be continued.
Oh man, cup hands. Yep. Do you want to tell the story of the invention of cup hands? In college, I once put cups on my hands, and I broke a lot of things. <laughs> it's really funny to me because I have the mental image of that night. But I just remember you walking around with like solo cups on your hands, and we kept just being like, "No, don't, don't even try." And then you just like break something, <laughs> and it was a magical evening. Does Cup Hands' hands look like red solo cups in the story? I'm not sure. Or are they like fleshy? Oh, oh, gross. Um, I don't know. Though. I don't want them to be mugs. Yeah, they're, de- they're definitely cups. So when he has to go to the bathroom, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> okay. Now you mentioned Aqualion. Um, excuse me. His name is Aqualion. <laughs> Aqualion. My bad. He used to be Aqualion. Gotcha. Then he got rid of the space. And it changes how it sounds. Aqualion. (laughs) Does he have both the powers of lions and aqua? He's definitely got some water powers. I don't know beyond that. I just know he was a part of the League of Elemental Animals. (laughs) And at some point they got another aqua character. And... He's like, we can't have two. <laughs> and he was like, I'm too old for this. You guys can do whatever you want. I'm out. <laughs> He's like, I'm just trying to like do justice here. If you guys want to fight about who can and can't be on a team based on their powers, go for it. I mean, I I like their commitment to branding, but that is really a jerky way to or jerky reason to kick somebody out. Yeah. The League of Elemental Animals, maybe one day I'll go into a history of it, but I've got a whole backstory in my head about the rough times they've been through. I just can't get out of my head the image of fleshy cups. I feel like that's what it's <laughs> gotta be. Just just disgusting fleshy cups. I don't even know if there's a whole lot of bone in there. It's just Maybe he was like in the story I mentioned he was cursed by a witch. Maybe he had some cups on his hands and was like pretending to be a superhero blasting out beams or something yeah and so when he got cursed his hands became those (laughs) and it just kind of like flesh went on top of it oh maybe that's too gross maybe just his wrist kind of like merged up into the cup opening i really like the imagery of the oxygen breaking as he's trying to breathe made me think of some of the airbender fights where they would be like i broke your blood (laughs) <laughs> you can't move. I noticed in your story that Tribunal was spelled funny. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's the justice system for superheroes. It's the tribunal. But I think they wanted to make it more quote-unquote impartial. Yeah. And so it's a council of different heroes that have been around for a while. But there's a fifth member, which is the AI. Hence the oh. T-R-A-I-bunal. The, the Tribunal It doesn't translate very well into audio, but it has like a machine learning algorithm. And as they decide cases, it learns how cases should be decided in the deliberation process between the the different heroes. And as it gets more and more experience, its vote on the council will be weighed more heavily so that eventually it would be basically deciding cases on its own. Oh, that's pretty cool. But at the beginning, it's little more than a like tiebreaker. So does this happen 
a little ways back in time. Yeah, the this story, this story is like looking back on an event that happened years ago. Gotcha. It's I guess sometime set sometime after the incident in the past of the Spell Squadron, because Magic was still a member of Aegis at that time. <laughs> okay. And now he's on this council. I guess this is after the robot uprising, though, where we get the actual robot city. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay. That, that event's kind of nebulous in our yeah. history right now. but yeah, Our timeline's more of a dartboard right at the moment. Yeah. Oh, so you mentioned the mountain in passing. Yeah. Is that a, a super prison? Yeah, it's the, the one that Richard got out of. Right. Are there other super prisons then? Or is that just the most famous? Uh, I think at the time of this story taking place, it was the, a new one. Okay. So everyone was talking about it. And I liked making it the inescapable prison. Oh, right. And in current day of our universe, we know that that is definitely not true. Right. Even more amazingly so. So what do you think Cuphands' next move's going to be? You've got the immediate next moves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to steal some ideas. (laughs) I have said it where he survives. If I get a chance to, I want to have him ruling his own country. Oh, Kind of like Doctor Doom in Latveria. Okay. Like, have his own country, and he can implement his extreme justice there. Was kind of my ideas for him. Will it be, like, Keptopia? Or Solo? (laughs) It'll be Latveria. Do you want to do your story? Sure. I'll do my story right now. Cliffs of Faustini, Part 1, by Daniel J. Poole. Are we there yet? asked Double Take. His boots were propped up on the high back of a steel chair. He was maybe 20, had a runner's physique, and dark spiky hair. A visor rested over his eyes. A massive suit of armor turned to reveal the aged face of Paladin. She was in her early 50s. A crimson scar ran the length of her face. An unlit cigar hung from her lip. She rolled her eyes at him. From the back of the room, a trio of identical women playing cards turned their attention to the man. They were all wiry, with short curly hair. Each wore a bright red jumpsuit that matched their eyeshadow. The cards hung in the air, spinning slowly. They said in unison, You can see the moon base right there! They pointed toward the glass canopy in front of the pilot. Powdery white mountains were laced with black craters and valleys. A series of domes connected with bridges clung to the side of the crater. A series of tube bridges stretched out from the main facility with landing lights. The ship hovered close to one until an automated system took over docking. The co-pilot turned in their chair to face the group. Ichabal's appearance was a cross between a cuttlefish and a 50s monster movie. A fleshy cone was propped up in their seat. Ancient stone bracers adorned each of their several arms that draped over the chair. Their large, bulging eyes looked over the crew while their tentacles made an arch over their mantle. The creature's voice rang in the heads of the crew. While we wait on the final docking procedures, I need to brief you on our mission. Finally, the man said. The creature's face twisted in agitation. It thought out to the group. I would have no qualm, double take, in saying there was an accident and you were shoved out of an airlock. The man laughed nervously hoping it was a joke. The creature did not laugh. Yes, sir, Archibald. 
Thank you. As I was saying, it motioned to the facility. We are meeting Dr. Drake here at the Luna Station. He is researching recent interdimensional disturbances. We are here to ensure the work is completed without incident, and that anything relevant is given to our envoy from the Commonwealth. The armored woman nodded her head. Thank you, Archfall. Additionally, the technology being tested is based on your powers, Split. The three women in the back collapsed into a single woman, her mouth agape. She asked, Did they figure out how I got my powers? We may have a lead, Archibald thought out. The doctor needs your expertise in mega force shifting. She nodded. So why am I here? Doubletake asked. Paladin eyed him. You're here just in case we screw up. Wait, screw up? What would an interdimensional screw-up look like? Hey, wait. Doubletake was fiddling with his restraints as the cabin door hissed. It opened to reveal a young woman in a lab coat. Her name tag read, Heyday. Hello, you're the envoy from Aegis, right? The woman said. And the Commonwealth, said Paladin, stepping out of the shuttle. Ichifal glided in the low gravity out of the pod. They thought out to the woman. Indeed, sorry to keep you waiting. It's no trouble, the woman said. I'm Dr. Drake's assistant. Welcome to Faustini 3. Please, let me know if there's anything I can assist you with. The group rode a buggy down the polished steel corridors. Miss Heyday asked them about the Ultra Ball scores. Ichabal rattled off player statistics from the past season for the Santa Fe Sentinels. They told them the story about the time when their team, the Atlantis Admirals, made the playoffs. Twice. Paladin nudged them. Too bad you lost to the second runners-up. Twice. Ichabal gurgled at her. Their skin shifted from green to red. Split interjected from the back seat. Hey, Itchy! Ichavald, they corrected. Yeah, sure. Listen, is coming here, like, nostalgic? Why would it be? She gestured to the viewport. You know, like, cause you're in outer space? I only know about space from my inherited memories. From past Ichavalds, that is. They left Mars thousands of years ago. It's hardly similar to Luna. So no, I do not feel nostalgic here. Once a pain is that old, it's hardly yours anymore. The buggy stopped at a door. Miss Heyday jumped out. We'll have to walk from here. Doubletake hung back and caught Paladin by the arm. She tensed and turned to face him. He said, Anything about this seem off to you? She looked at the Martian then the trio of identical women lifting machinery out of the buggy, and then to the lunar lab assistant. She shrugged. This is a pretty typical workday for me. He scratched his head. Sorry, just nerves. I'm not a heavy hitter like you or Fishface. She put a hand on his shoulder. Paladin said, You'll do fine. It's just a research mission. What could go wrong? Warning klaxons echoed off the polished metal surfaces of the lab. Doubletake had one split by the collar. Two other splits tightly wound around his arms. He yelled, 
Is this your idea of being funny? What did you do? Me? The splits squeaked out. What did you do? You were watching the containment field levels. We were monitoring the energy fluctuations. Purple clouds pulsated in the middle of the room. Wind whipped towards the nebula. The inside of the clouds were shapes and colors reflected infinitely. Wait, you t listen to me. Please, we must be civil. Dr. Drake held out a pair of withered hands. If you do not stop arguing, we will all die. Split and Double Take gritted their teeth, but let go of one another. The scientist eyed them while holding a finger to his wrist. He mouthed numbers. The man took a deep breath. As I was saying, we must remain calm. If my heartbeat exceeds 160 beats a minute, it will not matter which of you is right or wrong. We must work together to get out of this. Paladin took a step forward. Her cape trailed behind her. Why are we on lockdown, Doctor? The old man removed his glasses and cleaned them obsessively. He said, Someone has signaled the facility using the containment protocols. The communication grid is offline as well. Split crossed her arms. The trio of identical women collapsed into one. She asked, So what? We can't make a call. What's the problem? The problem? Doubletake pushed his visor up the bridge of his nose. Is that means someone locked us in here. So which one of you is a traitor? Paladin rolled her eyes. Shut up. None of us are traitors. We're just stuck in a room for a bit. Worst case scenario, we waited out. Dr. Drake shook his head. Except that won't be the case. He turned a floating drone monitor around to face the group. The security footage showed the six of them in the lab working on the experiment. This false feed was purposely left on. This is a tap of what the facility believes is occurring. To the facility we are working as planned. Unless we close this fissure, he gestured to the swirling clouds, we will suffocate in this room within the hour. No one is scheduled to check on us till this evening. Ijevald pushed themselves off the steel floor. Their tentacles lifted their mantle to eye level with the room. Their skin shifted from a pale steel blue of the ground to a bright red. They gurgled something, then pushed a thought out to the group. Then we take a space walk. I wouldn't suggest that, Miss Heyday said. She pressed a key. The blast shields raised to show the dead lunar surface. The sun peered out from behind the crater wall. Unless you can survive a hundred Kelvin at the bottom of Faustini Basin, any attempt to leave contamination drops the laboratory into the crater. Archival's brows communicated the idea that it was still considering trying. They thought out to Miss Heyday. Don't give me that look. I am an extremophile. I could survive in a mucous membrane for a few months. Doubletake paced the room in short strides, blinking in and out of existence. Split multiplied to pace in several directions at once. Paladin remained against the wall. From inside her helmet, there were intermittent flashes of light. She reviewed maps of the facility, the powers of the group, and tried a few different communication channels. Dr. Drake checked his pulse again and sat down. Doubletake? Yeah, what is it, Paladin? She said, Could you phase through the doors, back to the main facility? He scratched the back of his head. No, that's not how my power works. Her face mask slid back. Your file says you're a speedster. Doubletake removed his visor. And my file is purposely misinformed. I guess that doesn't matter since we're all going to die, though. I don't move fast. I travel fast. 
I can travel forward or backward through time, but only 30 minutes along my own timeline, in either direction. I can change my past, but only what just happened. And I can alter my future, but only what is about to happen. Split muttered. Could you have mentioned that 30 minutes ago? He shot back a terse glance. I didn't want to register as a time super. With how limited my powers are, I can't keep up with real travelers. Besides, time travel's a lot of paperwork. Which is why you are insurance on this mission. The Martian motioned to the fisher. How do we look? Double take started to shimmer out of reality, but solidified. You knew? The alien pointed to his head. Telepath. Duh. The man made an annoyed face, but disappeared. A moment later, he reappeared. It's not reassuring, Split asked. But we make it, right? Oh, we die. So far, we either get sucked into the fissure or fall into the basin. Double Take blinked in and out a few more times. Dr. Drake cut in. I believe you will find that all our powers have been accounted for. Whoever planned this knew who would be assisting me today. Whoever planned this also sent the containment codes from this room. Miss Heyday asked. Wait, you're saying... He's saying it's one of us, said Split. A pair of heads materialized on either side of her head as she watched the others. Don't consume too much extra oxygen, Split, warned Paladin. The trio frowned but rejoined. Dr. Drake, I understand how Split and Double Take were planned for. But what about Archibald and I? We could survive outside the lab. Dr. Drake considered this but gasped. He grabbed his arm. His skin became a dark blue with scales forming on his hand. Miss Heyday rushed to a medical refrigerator and withdrew a syringe. She tapped the needle and drove it into his neck. He grimaced but thanked her. His scale paled and returned to normal. Miss Heyday said, That was the last one. I thought it might be. But, but I counted them this morning. Heyday was flipping between screens on her tablet frantically. I guess is the best way to keep Paladin and Archival in this room would be for me to be in dragon form, said the old man. Archival ran a tentacle across his temples. They changed from a dark red to yellow. They thought out loud, Mr. Dragon would hamper my protective hibernation. Dr. Drake laughed. As I remember it, the last time he was loose, he did not care for you. The Martian turned green and nodded. It thought out. How long before you change? Not long, with how much air we have, said the scientist. Double take snapped his fingers. He said, I've got it. This is an assassination. The killer couldn't finish off any one of us, but in this situation, they can use us against one another. Oh, bravo, detective, Split said. Double take took an infinitely fast step towards her his eyes an inch away from hers before he realized she was smiling. For one thing, began Double Take, that's not funny. Additionally, he made a hand by the side of his mouth and gestured at her, whispering, My money's on her! Paladin shot him a look. She held up armored fingers as she counted. So an assassin set a trap for us with limited air. Cold outside, and a ministry portal inside. And possibly a big monster attack. Anything else I'm forgetting? Dr. Drake calculated on his floating drone. Only one more thing. How many people are in this room? Easy. Six, er, five, and a Martian. Er, how many people are you, Split? Double Take said while flashing around the room. According to our oxygen levels, 
At least one of us is synthetic, said the doctor, turning the screen around. Adjusting for the limited amount of breathable atmosphere that Archfall requires, one of us is not who they say they are. One of us is a cyborg. To be continued. Okay, first thing I want to talk about is time travel speed. Okay. (laughs) Right. So I was inspired by the show Heroes. And in that show, there's a character named Hero. Mm -hmm. And he uses like a katana and time travel to run around and do stuff. I thought it'd be really cool if there was a time traveling character. But I had the thought that bothered me about Hero. It's going, well, if he can time travel anytime, all the time, then I just... I feel like he could never be in trouble. I feel like the idea is he could just make up for whatever he did. And I know in the show they did some things to get around that, but I was still going, I just, I feel like it's overpowered, but also, I don't know, once you have that kind of full, untampered time travel ability, I just, I feel like you could just do whatever. So I like the idea of limiting that. And so my concept was, instead of him being able to time travel and go anywhere in the world and any time in the world, he was stuck to his own timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's just anywhere he could have been in the last 30 minutes or the next 30 minutes. So he's basically trapped to one hour. And so he could go backwards a limited amount of time before he'd have to try to go backwards again. And I'm thinking maybe there's like there's some sort of stopgap from him being able to just infinitely go backwards. But because he's so limited in superpowers, he's just always acted like he's a speedster because he can disappear and reappear in front of someone like he's gone really fast. How does that actually function? If I'm sitting here and then I can disappear and reappear by my door to answer the door, how does yeah. that how does that have worked? So it's like instead of sitting at your desk, you instead went to the door, but you had no reason to go to the door originally. But so instead now you've changed your timeline to be at the door. So he never disappears. He just goes back and has to relive that and do it slightly differently? Sort of. The way I'm imagining it is something like he's skipping time, or uh, he's skipping around on dimensions, and he's just choosing to be in the dimension where he was, like, he was already at the door instead of at the his chair. So it's sort of like it's just his version of reality. So maybe there's other versions of reality where he just is sitting there, or he just dies in, this, in a different reality. But So the one he is cognizant of, he keeps going ahead. Okay. And why does he disappear then to everyone else's viewpoint? So I think that's how they see it. It's like to their viewpoint, he disappears and reappears. But that's because he's moved the timeline over. And just from their viewpoint, the way they like reconciled the change is he just disappears for a second. So does he actually disappear for an amount of time? Because it seems like from the mechanics of it, it would be instantaneous to an observer. I think it's similar to maybe how Nightcrawler poofs away. It's a similar, like, there's a moment where he's not there. Now in my head canon, and this can change, I was kind of thinking that he and Split actually have the same power. But Split's power is to splinter her own timeline and draw two other versions of herself to the same place. But she doesn't understand that in fiction so whereas he's moving on his own timeline she's 
combining two others. So when I invented these characters, I started off with just really basic concepts, like X-Men concepts, like multiple man, but it's a lady who's really tiny, and um, hero, but he's really limited. Yeah, that sounds good. And then I sat there thinking about it more as I wrote, and I was going over, man, it could be this. Yeah, and it'd be like that. And I just think I kept making it messier and messier as I went. Okay, so here's how I'm interpreting his power in my mind. Okay. His life is a visual novel. Yeah. And he's making decisions and clicking down various paths, some of which are definitely erotica. Yeah. No, definitely lots of tentacle. But at any moment, he can open up the pause menu, and he has a limited frame in which he can go back and forth and make different choices. Yeah. And automatically swap to the same point right. of a different branch. He's the kid that read ahead in the Choose Your Own Adventure story to see if that was a dead end and then took the other option. Okay. So you brought more Citadel characters. <laughs> I wrote Paladin as just to be an armored lady. When I was making her up, I thought of Reinhardt from Overwatch. Mm-hmm. So just a big armored person. I was like, that sounds cool. And then on a second draft, I thought I could make this a Citadel person because she's sort of like Minotaur. So I thought it'd be kind of a funny little Easter egg for you when you read through. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about my Citadel character. Oh, yeah. Which one did you bring in? I forget. Moonglow. Oh, right. Right, right. Dipping your toe into the Citadel. I felt like Citadel needed some representation on the tribunal. That makes sense. Maybe they whined about it until they got some. Yeah, that seems exactly in character. But I kind of picture her as one of the founder heroes of it. Maybe a director or something of that place but whenever you mentioned or the first time i saw her name i thought of admiral uh, was it from the last jedi admiral akbar yeah yeah that one <laughs> holdo holdo i thought of holdo immediately after reading the name so that's all i could see was laura Dern after you said that yeah i think moon glow's probably a little older but right it's not a bad look for her i just kind of had a brief thought about her powers but i wanted like she gains strength based on the phase of the moon oh cool then i was like how would she have been a good hero for the citadel if monsters can attack at any point and i was like maybe uh the monsters attack in relation to moon phases there you go and she's just a perfect fit coincidentally (laughs) coincidentally yeah maybe there's conspiracy theory there um, my next note is moon base. Yeah, Faustini 3. Yeah, I don't know if I had any questions about it, just moon base. I did a lot of research on moon craters to pick Faustini. Oh. I just I just wanted to make sure I threw that out there because I had to find a crater that was a certain depth so that this Mr. Dragon character could be safely thrown into it. And I had to find one that was on the South Pole so that the sun wouldn't hit the bottom of it at any point. So it'd be super cold. And it took me a while to find one, but I figured it out. So the the base is, like, on the side of the crater? just Yeah, like, built into the, the wall. Okay. And there was a mention of, like, if something happens, the it, like, drops you down? or Yeah, it would drop the whole pod. Okay. Was like... So they're, like, suspended above the crater itself. Okay. Okay. And the crater... The crater is the size of, like, from the tip of Florida to the tip of Alabama. Oh. Yeah. No, it's huge. And it's, like, the smaller of the ones in that cluster. Now, I looked at a lot of moon maps. <laughs> okay. You really uh, 
put quite a cliffhanger for me. <laughs> I hope I left enough different avenues for you to do something. What if my story is just, and they couldn't figure it out, <laughs> and it dropped down into the crater, and I guess only the people that could survive survived. Only Ichival makes it out in his mucus membrane. Yep. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> the only other thing was I had a lot of fun talking about Ichival, but I know I need to work in the future with how I describe him. Yeah. I've had a lot of trouble settling him down more, but I also think he looks adorable in my head. It was cool to see them after making them in Aegis. Yeah. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the Sensational Six. Yeah, I started to make a note about that. We haven't talked about the Sensational Six before, have we? No. I think we might have mentioned it to each other once. Maybe. It was always part of my cup hands mythos. <laughs> Who are the Sensational Six? I don't know exactly, but it is a reality TV show Ooh. following a superhero team. There's one for each sense. There's a hearing guy, a sight guy, a smelling person, a tasting person. Uh, cup hands was the touch sense, and then there's going to be a extra sensory person for the oh, sixth God. sense. <gasps> it would be one of those things where you kind of know it's scripted because each of them get to use their powers at least once per adventure. <laughs> right. Like, here's the part where I do my thing. And I liked imagining them as at least some of them... Oh, we just need some guy that can smell. He's like, I can smell five minutes into the past. <laughs> this guy was here. I called it. Josh came out. Okay, this is episode 59 of the Josh cast. It's just the show where we follow Josh around. He's made his own pizza. Oh, I guess we never definitively named the character Ichival in that episode because we just kind of like vaguely ended that world building yeah. one but that's the one we decided on behind the scenes i started with the with the idea that he was named mantle and so i started writing it out but then i remembered that his anatomy includes a mantle and so there was a sentence i wrote that was mantle rubbed a tentacle across his mantle and i stopped stopped and started like looking at that sentence I went, no, that can't be right. <laughs> he might need a different name. So then I had to go back to the world building episode. So I think Age of All will work better. Yeah. What do you want to say your stuff at the end? So you can follow me on Twitter at Gware, G-Y-W-A-I-R, or on my blog, calculatingnormals.wordpress.com. The art is by Lisa Prather. You can find her stuff at lisapratherart.com or on Instagram at lisapratherart. Our website is double issue. Dot show. You can find us on Twitter at Double Issue Show. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash double issue. And you can email us at double issue show at gmail.com. Next week is another world building episode. We'll be tackling space. I think we decided we're going to pick an alien race and one of their heroes. We're going to discuss it in more detail. Do we have a prompt for the next story? It's just going to be resolutions. Or, oh, that's yeah. right. Resolutions. But we'll cover that next doctor. For now, we'll pass it off to Future Clan. I'm really tired this week, so I'm not even going to get into it with them about that not being my name anymore. Josh, would you like to do some of the credits for me? Okay. Oh, well.
I can't use any of that. They already covered all the other stuff, so I'll just get to the song credits. Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. Ammunition by Lazenby Industries. Outer Orbit by Revolution Void. Burnout by Anonymous420. All songs are used under their Creative Commons licenses and edited down as needed for the podcast. You can check them out at the links provided down below. All right, Daniel, time for you to say your thing. Laser Quentin out. Back in my day, the Flash was just super fast.